Greetings, Dr. Beckett. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Theorizing that one could time travel within his own lifetime, Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. He awoke to find himself trapped in the past, facing mirror images that were not his own and driven by an unknown force to change history for the better. His only guide on this journey is Al, an observer from his own time, who appears in the form of a hologram that only Sam can see and hear. And so Dr. Beckett finds himself leaping from life to life, striving to put right what once went wrong, and hoping each time that his next leap will be the leap home. are listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Well, wherever Sam has leaped, he's, he's still himself. Because no one's in the waiting room. Yeah, we're going to start a nanosecond search in the morning, but that'll take months. By then, he will have leaped again. What month? It didn't take months to find him. I must have had luck. Uh, Admiral Talbot, he had nothing the two of you are so close it makes me envious. You'll find out. Is she so sure? Hello, everyone, and welcome to this very special episode of the Quantum Leap Podcast. I'm Christopher DeFilippis. I'm Allison Pregler. And I'm Hayden.99999 recurring, which is exactly equal to Hayden McQueenie. I don't understand that reference, but I'm ever baffled and amused by you. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a recurring decimal number, which has a fractional exact form. You math nerd. <laughs> I was going to say thanks for clearing that up anyway. <laughs> hey, everyone. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. And we are very proud to be coming at you presenting this special episode all about the mirror image um, what would we call it? Lost footage? Ending footage? Anyway, it's, it's that bombshell footage that surfaced online recently. And, and not only are we going to talk about that footage, but we are here to welcome a very special guest, an individual whose fandom kind of indirectly led to that footage seeing the light of day. His name is Roger. Welcome to the podcast, Roger. Thank you. So I understand you don't want us to use your last name, and uh, we will respect that. So everybody... Don't bother trying to figure it out. It's just Roger, right? That's correct. People people who know me know who I am. <laughs> okay. Let's just get this out of the way. First things first. Are you the mysterious person, the mysterious leaper 1958 who posted that footage on Reddit? That's not you, right? No, that's not me. So if you're not the person who uploaded it, then how exactly do you fit in with everything? Well, the person who uploaded it took a video that I distributed to a select group of people of basically the lost scene. So we've got a rogue poster. Uh-huh. Yes. I don't know if we're ever going to know who that actually was, but uh, can I just say off the get-go, thank you for capturing it and distributing it to that small group of people because it is definitely something that I know I have always wanted to see and that I know that everyone else has always wanted to see as well. You're welcome. Yeah, it's uh, amazing seeing this footage. It's just... Uh... 
blows my mind. You know, we saw the the negatives before, but to actually see it in motion, it's just um, after 30 years, it's fantastic. And I'd, I'd like to, I mean, I, do you think there's anybody out there that's listening to this that sort of doesn't know the history of this? I'd like to just recap briefly our history with this footage, because Allison, I, I think if it weren't for you, I, I don't know if any of this ever would have seen the light of day in the way that it has. Um, this is basically how Allison and I met. It was because she had discovered negatives of this scene. And Allison, can you sort of recap and tell the story of that? We did a whole special about that, and that's the first time you and I ever got on mic together. Yeah, the long story short version of it, I bought some negatives off of eBay, and it turns out some of the negatives were from this ending that had previously only been seen in script form. And uh, so I did a video about this and uh, put them on the internet, and uh, I was already doing some editing for you guys, but that was the first time I got on the mic was uh, when we did that interview with Susan Diall asking about the ending. And uh, everything just sort of kept rolling from there. Quantum Leap bringing people together. Yeah. To me, it's amazing how much we keep on covering on this podcast. And um, after that, I mean, after we dove into it as a team, um, Allison, Matt and I, oh, by the way, Matt's our co-host. And because of time differences, um, he could not be here tonight. He wanted to. But when I say tonight, I say it's tonight for me. I think it's tonight for Allison. I think it's early afternoon for Roger, and it's sometime noon tomorrow for Hayden. So that's how wacky (laughs) the time differences are on this. So I'm just glad that we're able to get together at all. So Matt, you'll be missed. So but um, just so I can give Matt the credit that he has due, as we were discussing this and looking into it more, Matt had the brilliant idea of finding the shooting schedule, right, Allison, for Mirror Image, because we had done an episode about Future Boy. Mm -hmm in which we spoke to Richard Hurd. And Richard Hurd also appeared in Mirror Image, and Matt had the brilliant idea, since he was in contact with Richard, to buy the triangle hat, the famous yeah, Mostein yeah, uh, Captain Galaxy. Hat. I am so jealous. He got there a split second before I did. <laughs> I'll have to see what else Richard has. <laughs> now, is that the triangle hat, or is that the pyramid hat? Ooh. Oh, do we have another mathematician over here? I'm so impressed. <laughs> because as I recall, it was actually, it was a pyramid hat, not a triangle hat. It was a pyramid, yes. Thank you, Roger. You're a better fan than I. <laughs> so Richard also had the shooting schedule, and he sent Matt that shooting schedule, and there was an eighth day blocked out that had the space bar scene in it. So we're not only con- we were not only convinced by Allison's um, detective work that the the lost ending with Alan Beth was shot, but Matt seemed to be fairly convinced that they were at least prepping for the space station stuff. We haven't asked Richard about that, or if we did, I don't... Do you recall, Allison? Did uh, Maybe Richard didn't remember. I, I don't know where we left off with that. Do you? Oh, uh, yeah, uh, we did. Well, Matt asked Richard Hurd about it, and he didn't remember anything, so... I'm, I'm in touch with um, John Diaquino, so at some point I might have to ask him if he has any memory of it, because he was one of the miners as well. Right. Yeah. Right. He was one of them, too, and he's been on the show. Yeah, we really have to beat the bushes. But, I mean, getting back on track with with this show, it was basically all of that, and we thought that we had come to basically a dead end, and then enter this footage and enter Roger. So, Roger, if you want, can you just tell us a little bit about your Quantum Leap fandom? Well, 
my fandom with Quantum Leap goes back to that first Easter Sunday when Genesis was broadcast on NBC. I have a VHS copy of that, and uh, it all started for me basically on that Sunday night. And, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed the first season and, and I was ready for the second. And something happened between the second and the third season. Amongst my other fandoms, I'm interested in the original Star Trek and I got interested in Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, and I was attending a convention, uh, an early creation convention, if memory serves, in Los Angeles out by the airport. And uh, I ended up going to a party. And that party was at the home of uh, somebody. And at the time, they were sitting there in an online chat room in the very early days of America Online. And at the time, America Online was a Macintosh or Apple-only service. Uh, it did not have a PC client. So, you know, you couldn't access it from anything other than an Apple computer or a Macintosh computer. And this was a text-only chat. And I was just fascinated by it. I recall the, the chat room name was the best little chat house. And it was, <laughs> it was people from all across the country who were using their dial-up connections to AOL uh, to chat back and forth. And shortly thereafter, I went out and I had an Apple IIe and I connected to AOL. And in the entertainment community, there was an area for television viewers. And I started asking questions about Quantum Leap. And sure enough, other people came on and were answering questions or asking questions. And this led to the establishment of an online chat, which we called the Imaging Chamber. <laughs> and it took place on Saturday nights at uh, 6 p.m. Pacific or 9 p.m. Eastern, if you prefer. And uh, it was a, a small group of, of people to start with, but eventually grew into quite a large group of people from all around the country and all around the world eventually. Maybe we should bring that back. <laughs> well, as time passed, um, we began to find that, of course, social media was somewhat in its infancy. Uh, there was America Online, there was Genie, there was CompuServe. A lot of these various online communities were starting to establish themselves. And we found that there were people who appreciated Quantum Leap in ways that we didn't quite understand, uh, who were willing to share. The precursors to the Quantum Leap podcast by the sounds of it. <laughs> and I, I need to clarify, people who appreciated Quantum Leap in ways we didn't understand. Can, can, can you get <laughs> Well, it basically, they were people who were were um, in the know. I wouldn't say on the inside, but people who were able to provide uh, some of us with documents, um, tapes, uh, a variety of things from the production. And this included scripts. I have a, a nice collection of scripts from the fourth and the fifth season. And of course, one of them is the uh, is the mirror image script. Now, were these were these reproduction scripts or were these actual shooting scripts? They're actual scripts that came from the office because they're all on the different colored pages. Oh, wow, that's really cool. Yes, yes, that's definitely cool. Um, in the case <laughs> of the mirror image script, I got it about mm, sixty days after it aired, so. Um, that that's how how my copy came to me. 
What what was your reaction when you read that ending or saw uh, heard about the space bar stuff? <laughs> well, you know, it was it was a lot of us. We were again one of the things that we had a an extended chat session about was the whole ending because you know the 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 title card about you know about Sam Beckett never leave home was like wait a minute you just can't leave us hanging like this 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 is wrong spoiler alert by the way <laughs> yeah over the years um i I'm, i've always wondered who really made that decision was it the network was it don uh, you know, who was the person who, who was responsible for ending that episode the way it did? Mm-hmm. Uh, not that I think we'll ever get a straight answer, but it, it certainly is a it certainly is a question that I think more fans have gotten to the end of Mirror Image and said, uh-uh, it didn't happen <laughs> that way. And, and now, of course, now, of course, you know, it didn't end that way originally when it was filmed. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. I just want to point out, too, um, I know that among us fans who are chatting on on Facebook and on the forums and things like that, many people are kind of saying some mean things about Don Belisario at the moment, about how he has essentially lied to everyone saying that um, this supposed scripted ending was fan fiction and that nothing else was ever done. Um, I'd just like to ask everyone, please don't do that because it's essentially Don's baby, okay? He he does have the right to do what he likes with his artwork, okay? It's his property. He can do what he likes with it. Having said that, though, um, when something that you are very heavily invested in comes to an end, such as a relationship, but also even parts of your working life um, and things like that, there is going to be a grieving process. And it's also quite possible that uh, since Don said this is his favorite show that he's ever created, um, it, it probably still cuts him very deeply about how um, how abruptly it ended and how he had to finish it. So I think we should take his feelings into account or possible feelings. Um, and, uh, if we could all just stop, you know, saying bad things about him on, on those sites, um, because we, we all love the fact that uh, we have this amazing show that we are all still talking about. And uh, we also do want him on our side too. So... <laughs> Sure. I I don't understand people getting angry about it. I find it a a very fascinating mystery that I don't know if we'll really have the answer to. But I mean, like, it it just seems kind of pointless being mad uh, at him for saying it didn't exist. You know, I mean, whatever the reasons are, like, it's not worth getting angry over. (laughs) I think you have to take Deborah Pratt's view. She has said publicly several times that mirror image was the best therapy that money could buy for Don. Sure. Uh, and, 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 and as Don's ex-wife, she should know. Sure. Uh, I, I don't know if you, you answered it, though, Roger. Like, so when you first read that script or saw the footage, like, what was your first, um, the first time that you found out about this alternate ending? It, it basically, it, it was something, again, as I saw the script and I read through it, it was, it was definitely, um, you know, how can I put this? Uh, I know that writers basically go through many times where you'll you'll craft a story 
and you'll look at something and you'll say, well, maybe that was a good idea when I first wrote it. Mm -hmm. And you look at it from an editorial viewpoint and you may trim a scene, you may trim an entire passage. And I, I think, I mean, you have to say, okay, Don was the author of this episode. And as the author and the director, obviously, he's responsible for how the episode was cut together. And I think if you look at it from his perspective, maybe he saw that the scene didn't work in the way he originally envisioned it. And so it was not included. You know, it just that's the way he felt, you know, that it was appropriate to to bring the series to an end. So you can look at it from that perspective. I mean, I know myself, even just writing a blog, there are times where I'll look at an entire entry and I'll say, mm, I don't think so. You know, after I've spent three or four hours crafting it, editing it, and all of a sudden it strikes me, this is not what I wanted to say to begin with. So I, I think, you know, you have to give Don that creative latitude to basically say, you know, hey, this isn't what I wanted. You know, and so as a director, as as the person who's ultimately responsible for the finished product, you know, whether it was his decision or not to put that title card up, I I think that the basically the episode, it it focused on what was important, which was Sam going back to do the right thing for Al by visiting Beth. You know, and I think that it basically put the focus on that moment rather than on Al going to look for Sam later on. If the show had been continued, if it was going to pick absolutely was going to be picked up for a sixth season, I definitely could have seen the ending footage added and the episode ending on that note. But the fact that it wasn't going to be picked up, it, it again, it changes the focus of how the ending comes. It's it's. Again, it's on Al and his relationship with Beth rather than on, you know, on going to look for Sam. It basically is Sam putting right what once went wrong for Al. You know, it's funny you say that, uh, Roger, because you've kind of almost taken the words out of my mouth for what I'm going to do for my Quantum Deep segment a little bit later. So I think we should all try and keep what you said in mind um, as the conversation goes, because we will obviously loop back to that. <laughs> I think the uh, the reason that the footage was cut has never been a mystery to me. Like, I think like it was the right thing to do without being a sick season, um, because it's a cliffhanger. It's a cliffhanger. Al's going to leap after Sam. And I think like, if you found out that the show was canceled and you were in Donald Belisario's shoes or whoever made that decision in the end, that is the best way to end it is to just say Sam helped people forever. Because if you just left it at a cliffhanger, it would be, I don't know. I don't know if that would be that satisfying either. Yeah, I do think they probably could have worded it a lot better than just Sam Beckett never returned home. <laughs> they, they could have spelled his name right, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, too. But if they had said Sam Beckett decided to continue leaping to keep putting things right that once went wrong, that I think is much less jarring um, than what we got. Yeah, maybe a more eloquently worded ending. But it's explicitly said in the episode. You will do this only as long as you, as you want. You can leap home anytime you want. Sam Beckett never left home. He never wanted to stop. 
And and who's to say that at some point in the future of Quantum Leap, there could not have been a television movie that basically brought the show full circle? Because one of the things that we know uh, from the trilogy uh, by Deborah Pratt was that Sammy Joe was working on the project and was working on a way to bring Sam home. And that certainly could have led into, you know, a later story. Uh, I've seen some great fan fiction that actually where that does take place. And speaking of that too, uh, it's uh, another reason that I think this alternate ending has been kept secret for so long is probably because had there ever been another movie or a, a continuation of the series later on, they've got a scene there to start it off with. That's true. Sure. I think maybe that is part of the reason they could have been keeping it such a secret because they, they wanted to use it. But I mean, I think like at this point, you couldn't, but... Yeah. And the other thing too is, I think it's very poignant too, that Dean Stockwell has said before that the character of Al Calavici is his favorite role that he's ever done. And he considers himself to be most like Al than any other character he's played. I think it's very poignant that the very last footage that we will probably ever see of Dean Stockwell in his life is of Al. The last new footage anyway. Yeah. Well, he's retired from acting now and just living out his days in New Zealand. Uh, apparently, he's recovered from his strokes, but uh, he doesn't really have very many memories of his uh, working life. So, um, yeah, I doubt very much so that we will ever see anything new with Dean Stockwell in it. So I just think it's very poignant that we, that we actually do have this footage available now, and it is of his favourite character. You know, one thing that I'd like to say about this is that, um, you know, as far as television production goes, and Quantum Leap is no exception to this, there are many times where a lot of scenes are filmed that never make it to the screen. Um, I mean, there's, you know, I've been around TV productions. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to be on the set during a variety of scenes that being filmed for shows. And they may be in the dailies, but it's just decided, you know, that that footage doesn't either it doesn't move the story along or it, it's not necessary. Uh, Star Trek The Next Generation was famous for shooting, you know, the 65, 70 minutes of footage that in an episode, you know, entire scenes were just excised because they weren't necessary or there wasn't simply time for them. So the fact that that this was an unaired scene it isn't a surprise. It just there are so many times when in a television production, that's exactly what happens. There may be scenes that are shot, but they just never come along. Was there um, any other footage uh, of Mirror Image or any other uh, Quantum Leap episodes that you were uh, privileged enough to see by getting these tapes? Can you go back and say like how, how you got your hands on the footage to begin with? I know that sure. you're talking about getting the script, but okay, so take us back to that chat room and that community. Well, there were a lot of people in that community and uh, some people who I, I consider good friends that I've had relationships with, uh, especially um, some of the staff that later became the, uh, the television viewers community at America Online. Later on, we had entire forums devoted to shows. Uh, one of the most popular and probably most involved was for the X-Files. Uh, <laughs> we, had, we had folks uh, literally from the production. We had Chris Carter 
uh, feeding wow. information from episodes of the X-Files to the team that was leading the X-Files forum on America Online. Uh, things that didn't quite go too well with certain people at the Fox network. <laughs> uh, but nonetheless, what Chris and the, and the staff there were attempting to do was they were attempting to use social media to improve viewership of their show. And uh, you got to give them credit because that's exactly what they did. Um, in the case of Quantum Leap, what happened was, again, after the show had finished airing, some of these things started being shared with me. Uh, specifically, I got to see uh, dailies from episodes. The only one that I actually received an additional copy of uh, was from Mirror Image. And part of the reason that the, the footage is so bad in what we see in what I shared is that it's a it's basically a third-generation VHS copy. Uh, there was an original copy that somebody had of the dailies, uh, and then they went to a second generation and a third generation, which is what I have. That's the copy that I was given. So at that point, that's how it came along to me. Was the sound like that when you uh, when you got your copy? No, the sound the sound on the on the on the tape itself is actually in much better shape. Part of the reason the sound is so bad is because um, I had actually taken the VHS copy that I had of all six hours of the dailies that were filmed for Mirror Image. I had taken them to uh, a place to have them put on uh, DVD. And for some reason, uh, they only did the first four hours onto two discs. So I have that, and it's all very clean. Uh, it still has some of the problems of, of copying the third-generation uh, videotape. But the, the transfer I used was a, a, a USB uh, from VHS to my, my computer. And uh, I believe it was getting some feedback uh, through the USB port. Ah. So that's that's how the bad sound qual quality is there. Uh, that's part of the reason it's there. So Understood. So when you first saw this footage, how long had the show been off the air? Was it fairly recently after or was it years after? I mean, d describe what it was like. It was fairly uh, recently after. I, I The show obviously... It ended in the spring. Uh, I got this copy um, sometime that summer. And you've been sitting on this for 25 <laughs> years, 30 years? Yep. Yes, I have. <laughs> but you, you, you got that, you know, that satisfaction. But, I mean, it, do you have a preferred ending? Do you, do you like one over the other? You know, um, again, I, in retrospect, after having all this time pass, and having a look at it, I like the way the show ended up until the title cards came up. I think the whole idea of Sam setting right the one thing that he did not do for Al, that Al had begged him to do uh, in in the episode MIA, you know, um, and Sam just, he wouldn't, you know. When, when you go back and you look at the whole work of Quantum Leap, and you look at the things that Sam Beckett could have done, the things that he could have done for his own family. You know, he could have worked harder to keep his father alive. He could have worked harder to keep his sister from ending up in the abusive relationship, you know, but he didn't. And, and time and time again, we saw things that he wanted to do 
that he 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 wouldn't or he couldn't. You know, one of the few times we actually saw him do something that had a direct effect on people he loved and in his life was in the Vietnam episode where he was able to keep his brother alive. You know, that was that was one of the few times that I can count that he actually did that. And so if if you if you look at that and then if you look at how mirror image ended again with the focus being on doing that one thing right for Al um I I definitely I think it was the right choice. You know, mm. to to see the footage, to see that it was actually filmed. And it's only one take, by the way. It only appears in one take on the dailies. Oh, really? Yes. That, to me, is very interesting because uh, there are multiple scenes, like the scene where, again, where Sam walks into Al's place. That scene was shot probably eight or nine different takes of that, just that opening scene alone. Far out. Uh yeah, so so the fact that there's only one take of this particular scene, it's a tribute to uh, to Dean, uh, you know, that it was done so perfect that, uh, you know, the director felt didn't need another one. But that's interesting to me, though, because, like, generally, you're going to want more than one take just for safety. So now, yeah, that's interesting that they only did one take of that. I think it's important to recognize there's only one take take on the dailies they may have rehearsed it multiple times they you know that's up that's a question for uh for mr whitmore did he own what was his reason for only wanting one take as the director you know he would be able to answer that the other possibility too is that uh this was around the time where they thought they may be getting cancelled but they had hope that it might not be so maybe this they filmed one take as a just in case or maybe they filmed it but then found out that it actually is going to be cancelled and realized there's no reason to keep filming um there's a lot of different possibilities going on right there's a, there's two other things which are on this on these dailies which are of interest uh the first one is um a set of promos that were done the title card at the end where we see Sam and, and Al standing outside of Al's place comes from those promos with the two of them standing in front of Al's place talking about, you know, the the upcoming episode. Awesome. Huh. And I think there are three, possibly four different takes. The other one, um, this episode actually was filmed not long after the second Quantum Leap convention that was held at Universal City another a creation event but it was basically these the two conventions that were put on were organized by the quantum leap production team and they offered uh through a uh, a charity auction that was held during the convention they offered the opportunity for a walk-on role and huh. the walk-on the walk-on role actually it was a woman who was the who was successful the successful bidder she appears as the mirror image of the miner when Sam looks in in the mirror and there's uh, Ziggy standing next to him and she's the mirror image of Ziggy. Oh, that's so cool. It was it was a woman? I thought it was a guy. Nope, it's a woman. That's that shows you how well the makeup and costume. Yeah. I think done. that was actually Gushy, by the way, not Ziggy. Ziggy was Richard Hurd. You're right. You are correct. That is Gushy. Yes. Well, that's really, yeah, I never knew that. 
You want to know the, the well, yeah, no, the, the funny thing is if say, now that t- turns everything around too, but I guess dressing that woman as a man so convincingly fits in with the fact that both Gushies were, were men, but wouldn't it have been even more of a mind bleep if when Sam looked in the mirror, he saw a woman standing there. So which is the reality? Were, were they just trying to be weird, maybe? Right. <laughs> just having a woman as an old man? <laughs> Well, let me let, let me ask you a, um, a, a question, Roger. Um, you obviously you're saying you had a, a third generation, which is a copy of a copy. So this footage, these dailies have been floating around for the last thirty years. Why do you think it has taken so long for a bombshell scene like this to surface? Do you think that people just forgot about it, or was the fan community that tight? Any insight into that? Well, there were two things. The first one was that whoever actually made this copy of the dailies uh, onto VHS and distributed it to friends, because I know that this is not the only copy. Uh, I know that there are other people who have uh, who have shared their copies. Uh, my copy actually was used at a uh, at a fan convention uh, in Burbank uh, and was shown to the audience at that time. Uh, this would have, I'm not familiar with what year it was, but nonetheless, I know that there are other copies out there. Um, I think that in, in a lot of cases you had the respect for the people who were in television production, who had passed this along to fans. Um, because one of the things about television production is that, um, it's generally a very tight knit professional group. And uh, if word gets out that you're somebody who can't be trusted, especially with something like this, uh, you would find yourself not employed. And I think that there was a lot of respect for the people who had done this. Um, And from that reason, you know, they wanted to maintain their anonymity. You know, it's funny that you do say there are other copies around and that it was shown at a convention and things along those lines because, funnily enough, when um, when this did surface by the Redditor uh, Leaper1953, I think it was, um, and we showed it on the podcast Facebook page, so many people were actually commenting saying, oh, I've seen this before many, many years ago. <laughs> And I'm just like, oh, well, thanks for letting us know. <laughs> I think, I mean, the rumor had been around for a while, but I'd only ever heard about the the script. But then again, I mean, I'm fairly new to the Quantum Leap fandom, and there's so many people like Roger that have been around since the beginning. And I guess, you know, <laughs> they were able to see all these really cool things. And, and I find, like, the culture of old conventions or passing around tapes or old message boards or things like that, just very fascinating, like how it used to be. Right. And I think that I can speak to a similar experience because at one of the only, I think either two or three, I think three Quantum League conventions that I've ever been to here on the East Coast, I do remember seeing um, some dailies on uh, bootleg VHS, it had to be third generation at least, it was so bad, but of Sam looking over his shoulder as Magnum. 
And, oh, um, yeah. There was, even, there was even one take where he had the mustache on. Oh, and, really? I don't remember yeah, seeing that. And people, people talking about, I fully expected to be able to find that online because I know I saw it. And it is, it's a myth. It's a mystery because. No, it's on Al's it, place. Is it? You can see it now if you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I didn't, how could I not find it then? You know, and I, I may be, I may have a recollection uh, that it actually was shown as part of the video at one of the two first two quantum leap conventions there in uh, Universal City. Um, they were there at the at the Sheraton Universal, and I seem to recall that we actually were shown that video of uh, of Sam in the uh, in the Magnum PI shirt. Right. And yes, there there basically was the with the mustache and without the mustache. Were you uh were you thrilled to see Scott Bakula as Magnum PI? <laughs> yeah, actually I thought that would have been fun. And um it it's one of the things that I had always looked forward to. Um Don Bellasaro has created such a a rich world that um you could have tied it up all very neatly uh, with Magnum, uh, with the fact that Tom Beckett had been a SEAL, you know, and, and the fact that Magnum and his group had been SEALs in Vietnam. There, There is no reason to believe that they could not have crossed paths at some point. I think in the pilot, they do confirm it is a shared universe. I believe Sam says that um, his sister is married to... Uh, one of the characters from from Magnum PI, Tom Bonick or something? Jim Jim, Jim Bonick. Jim Bonick, yes. Jim Bonick, yes. Jim Bonick, a Navy captain, I believe it was. Yeah, living in Pearl Harbor. So all of it comes together, you know? Yeah. I don't know if I could accept Sam leaping into Magnum, to be honest. I think it gets a little bit too meta for me, considering in, um, I think it was Another Mother, it's actually shown that Magnum PI is a television show. So they would have to come up well, with Well, I mean, some all sort. of it exists in the uh, Tommy Westfall universe anyway. So really, <laughs> That's right. all I mean, television shows connect. We're all in Tommy's snow globe, all right? Yeah. I think we would have to kind of make it clear that these are events that have happened in the past and then someone's gone and made a TV show on those events. So yeah, there's see? too much ex- I think fine. there's too much explanation that needs to go on to be able to make <laughs> that work. So. You know, and I, I think that, to be honest about it, that that my understanding of the pitch had been that Tom Selleck was not going to appear in the episode. Um, it was going to be all of the supporting characters were going to be there with Sam and with Al, you know. And it's funny because many of them later became, uh, they appeared in other episodes of Quantum Leap. But we would have seen, you know, we would have seen Rick. We would have seen TC. We would have seen, you know, Higgins. We would have seen all those characters interacting. Uh, and it would have been it would have been great fun from my perspective. You know, I I don't know the reasons uh, as to why the episode never came off, but I know that it was pitched and it was very much uh, a possibility. That's so fun. I think like the um, like the animated episode, the Magnum P.I. one is one that uh, I don't know if it if it would have been the best, but uh, I would have loved to see it. I, I think it's fascinating. The what ifs or almost stories that they did. Right. Right. I mean, the the baby pitch, the cat pitch, the dog (laughs) pitch, you know, (laughs) considering what we ended up with in the in the fifth season, the high concept, 
you know, there were so many of those episodes that easily could have been other shows that, that, you know, would have been just as interesting. I mean, you know, yeah, some of them are okay. You know, um, I, I just have some things that I look at and go, okay, the leap between the States, you know, we wanted to go play civil war. So we went and played civil war, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, and, and, and I, I get the whole thing about the Lee Harvey Oswald. I thought that was an excellent uh, episode. Don basically wanted to – he wanted to have his version of setting things straight, uh, you know, because he had actually met Oswald. So, you know, he had he had a different perspective on the whole thing than, than Oliver Stone did. And, and Don, you know, he was able to express that. So <laughs> He met Lee Harvey Oswald. He knows the story better. <laughs> Right, right. I think Chris would want to get off that topic because he don't like Lee Harvey Oswald's episode at all. Uh, well, we did a bonus. <laughs> well, uh, just to, to put Hayden's uh, remarks in context, I was on a show called Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three, an event podcast, where I spent over a year talking about the Kennedy assassination. And the first bonus episode we ever did with that show was a crossover with the Quantum Leap podcast uh, about Lee Harvey Oswald. So longtime listeners to the podcast undoubtedly heard that. And um, it's not that I didn't like the Lee Harvey Oswald episode, and we'll discuss it a lot more when Allison, Matt, and I get to it. I just, I wasn't crazy about the way it was structured. I loved Don's point, though. I loved, I loved the fact that he, at the end, Al came around and said, you know, we we just tell ourselves these stories because if if Oswald can do this, then how safe for any of us? And. I, I thought that was an amazing counterpoint to the nonsense that Oliver Stone was spouting in JFK. So if you want to hear about that, go listen to 112263, an event podcast on Barron Space Media. Um, let's get back to uh, <laughs> let's get back to 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 this footage. OK, wait, I want I wanted to ask real quick. Uh, this is all very, very well stated points. Roger, uh, <laughs> have you ever have you ever read the unpublished comic about Sam leaping into a baby? No, I haven't. Okay. It's <laughs> it's stellar. <laughs> Absolutely stellar. It's a crime. It wasn't published. I just I don't <laughs> I don't want to go too lowbrow here, but there's a part where, where he uses a diaper and I just I just feel like why wasn't this published? <laughs> why can't this be canon? Well, I've been exposed to um how could I put this for a, a G-rated audience? Um, I've been exposed to many works of Quantum Leap fan fiction. <laughs> uh, some of them um, are, are beyond belief, uh, most notably <laughs> what is called slash fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I don't think we need to go any further than that. <laughs> if somebody really wants to go look up a reference to it online, they can do that all on their own. Uh, but uh, the whole idea of interacting with a hologram uh, in an erotic fashion, it just it, it boggles <laughs> the mind. And I, you know, fandom finds a way. They find many ways around that. <laughs> yes. Yes. One of the things that we used to have the ability to do on America online was that you could go in and you could take a sound file and rename it to the whatever you had recorded. You could rename that file to the particular sound file. So we had a whole series of quantum leap sound files and, <laughs> and, and you would, you would basically hear various things. And one of them, of course, is, is, is the, the great Sam Beckett line, you know, at last something sexual, he's not into. 
that's so good. That was the sound that used to come up every, you know, every once in a while out of the blue. Because we, we had all exchanged these sounds back and forth. And so we had them all on our various systems. But, yeah, it was great. I mean, whenever somebody came into the chat room, you would hear the imaging chamber door open. Whenever somebody left, you would hear the imaging chamber door close. You know, uh, great fun. But, again, remember, this was all text-based chatting at the time. Uh, so it, in some cases, these people never met. Um, I had the pleasure of meeting uh, a fair number of them at the, the first few uh, quantum leap conventions, notably the first two in Universal City, and then the uh, the first fan one uh, in Pasadena, and it was really nice to be able to put a face with a name or a screen name, as it were, um, to meet people at the time. And the other thing which was amusing was that um, the leapers who were online were um, decidedly female. Uh, I was in the minority. Uh, there were probably 10 women for every one man who was online uh, in Quantum Leap fandom. They, uh, well, I mean, they liked that Scott Bakula. <laughs> but that was one of the things that every time they would, you know, the, every time the ladies would begin to cross over into certain sexual areas of their fantasies, uh, <laughs> I, I pointed out quite, uh, quite, quite importantly that, uh, that Scott had quite a following amongst the gay community. <laughs> and that was the end of it. It usually was the end of it. Because, of course, you know, Scott famously had been a centerfold in Playgirl, uh, you know, and there were several ladies who who that was a, a, a very treasured piece of their <laughs> Quantum Leap collection. <laughs> this I did not know. <laughs> you didn't know about it? Oh. No, I, I'm sorry. I did not know about that. Why do I get the feeling that we're going to get so many people on eBay now trying to find it? <laughs> oh, you can find it on Google now. It's free, baby. <laughs> it's out there yeah but you don't have it in your hands though and the female contingent by the way they were not all of a single age they were from 12 and up to 70 and up and everywhere in between single married divorced you name it uh they were they were scott fans the uh, scott's ladies yeah definitely and dean fans Dean fans too. The one convention, uh, well, one of the conventions that I went to, I think that I was the only guy besides Rich Whiteside who was there as a guest, and he appeared in MIA. Uh, no, not MIA. Um, in Vietnam, uh, and it was just I, I could not believe um, how female centric the fandom was. Rich actually appeared in two episodes. He was in um, he was in Vietnam. He was also. The Marine Guard in A Leap for Lisa. That's right, yes. Oh. Yeah, he had a very interesting talk, but it was just like, wow, I really know where the fandom for this, uh, how it how it lives. And <laughs> was, that, just, uh, was that convention in Florida? No, it was in New Jersey. It was a convention called East Leap, um, organized by um, uh, Ruth Calkins and Nancy Henderson. They were wonderful. They, they both helped me greatly when I was writing Foreknowledge because they had everything on tape. Um, they had, this was before the internet. This was before the DVDs came out. So they had stuff recorded from the TV. And if I had a question about like a scene or whatever, there were times when one of them would play it over the phone for me. So, I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's how deep the fandom went though. I mean, they, they organized a convention in Jersey for quantum leap fans and it was predominantly female centered fandom. 
Yes. And, and, and I have to be honest and say that many of them, especially the fan conventions, there was a very large female contingent of attendees. Uh, I remember at the, the one in Pasadena, um, my, my wife came along and she actually went off to, to visit San Diego during the convention. Uh, she came back during the, uh, the room party and, um, I'm the only man in the room. <laughs> my, my hotel room probably had 30 women and her. It was uh, it was a moment that, that basically solidified how my wife trusted me in my marriage. <laughs> <laughs> so let me let me get back on track a little bit vis-a-vis uh, -vis the footage. So um, a select group of fans did know about it. They managed to keep it under wraps. Is there anything else that you're keeping under wraps? I know you mentioned the promo from which the mirror image still was drawn. Any other goodness that we might have to look forward to? Or can you not talk about it? You know... the. Uh, Honestly, the, that's it. Um, I mean, I'd have to look through the dailies again. And I, I did before I, I made this copy of the, the scene. And there really wasn't anything out of the ordinary amongst the dailies. Uh, the, the scene uh, in, the, in the space bar is not there. So, you know, uh, from what I know, uh, whether, whether there was any kind of pre-production filming or anything that took place, it doesn't appear on this on this tape of the dailies for it. Do you think that it was ever filmed? No, I don't think that it's ever filmed. Uh, you know, this is one of the things that I think that um, part of the reason we, we see the show in the way we do is that I think Don had been told before the episode was completed that the show was not going to be picked up uh, for another season. That's my feelings too. Yeah. Y yeah. I, I, th I think that, if nobody else knew, Don knew, and it may not have been something that the production team had passed along to the crew. Uh, it may not have been something that had been passed along to affiliates at the network. Uh, I, I think that he knew that this this was basically going to be his farewell to the show. Mm. Well, that's, that's nice to think. At least he had something that he could put a cap on it with. And um, as Hayden said before, I'm wondering if he was so cagey because he's secretly hoping, or was anyway, hoping that he could unearth this footage as a treat for fans if the show ever continued in any way. You had a starting off point. I mean, over the years, there have been a variety of things that have been talked about. There's been talk about a reboot that basically Sam Beckett would appear briefly in a in a pilot episode uh and then you know it would go on with a, a team of younger leapers or or you know <laughs> whatever um there have been a variety of things that i've heard you know pitched from time to time and i think that don basically because he he owns the he owns basically the rights to the characters uh, even though you know mca universal may own the, own the rights to uh to the episodes um, MCA Universal basically chose not to release the episodes on DVD. You know, they were done by somebody else, not by MCA Universal, um, which MCA Universal has done other television shows. Uh, you know, so I think you just you have to get to a point where you have to say, I, I think Don looked at it and he may have had thoughts toward the future. But I think in the end, he just decided that, you know. He needed to concentrate on other things. I mean, you know, he's gone on to do so many other things. And I think that in a lot of ways, maybe there was something lurking out there that may have been a possibility of, of a future for the show. But I think in the end, 
Um, it is what it is, and we're definitely all glad that we were able to enjoy it and still can enjoy it. For sure. I think we should all just smile for the fact that it happened instead of crying for the fact that it ended. Yeah, sure. I, I just wanted to say, too, like, thank you, Roger, for sharing this footage, even though it, it ended up getting leaked by someone else. Like, I, I really appreciate you getting this out into the world to other fans and, and being able to see some of the, the cool stuff that uh, you were able to come across over the years. I mean, it's just really fantastic. Yeah, the you know, it's it's been kind of interesting over the years since. Uh, the one that was interesting was there was a, a convention in Florida. That's part of the reason I asked about this, that Deborah Pratt was appearing as a guest at this particular convention. And I was able to donate a copy of the episodes of the trilogy scripts uh, for them to auction. And she signed them uh, when they were auctioned off. Um, I always felt that the trilogy probably was, in, in my mind, some of the best work that Quantum Leap ever did. And I think that you give a lot of that to Deborah, uh, that, you know, as writing various episodes um, she, and producing, she had done a great job. I think she probably had more of a, a handle on the character and how it, it interacted with the people around it, of, of Sam and of Al, and again, how how that ended up but you know again mirror image was don's baby uh whereas the trilogy was hers and i think that when you look at mirror image as a whole you understand that you know don i think wanted to he wanted to give everybody who'd participated in the show and had the memorable moments a chance to shine again i mean you know uh richard heard you know appearing as a character you know, when obviously is Captain Galaxy is is a fan favorite. I mean, people people love that character, uh, you know, because in a, in a way he's a he's a prototype for Sam Beckett. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, he again, he wanted to go back and he wanted to set the things right that he had done wrong in his life. And I, I think that that rings a bell with many of us. I mean, we all have that that thing that, you know, if we'd had a chance to do differently, we probably would have. You know, or the chance to go back and 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 be with somebody who had meant so much in our life, whether a friend or a loved one, and I think that's part of what what made Quantum Leap so special at the time. So, being able to to bring out the little goody to share with people that that's my way to do that. Well, thank you so much. I think as fans, we all owe you a debt of gratitude. I think that we are just the luckiest bastards on earth now that we've been able to see this <laughs> and experience something that, you know, nobody thought would ever see the light of day. And I also, I want to um, rope Hayden into that compliment. Hayden, thank you. I know that it's basically, the, you're the reason we're here talking to Roger, because you guys struck up um, a friendship on the Facebook page, right? How, how did you get to know about the podcast, Roger? Um, again, through the Facebook page, um, I had kind of uh, fallen off the wayside, you might say, when it came to Quantum Leap fandom. Um, some of the people who had been on America Online are still around in various forms. Uh, there's a whole Scott Bakula forum on Tapa Talk. Uh, and one of the things, uh, is a lot of the people who had been uh, on America Online in later years are part of that. So it was nice to touch bases with them. Uh, the person who actually gave me my copy of the dailies uh, is somebody who I had had 
met and had actually been an early cohort uh, in the the imaging chamber when it was simply just the the regular Saturday night chats. And uh, she actually at one time had a, a fairly extensive collection of the dailies that she had been given by somebody. Unfortunately, uh, she has lost them over the years. Oh, no. So the fact that I have the, these particular copies of Mirror Image was kind of nice because I've been able to share that with her. The interesting thing about the dailies, and I, I don't know that a lot of people uh, may be aware of this, uh, Quantum Leap was actually uh, shot on 35-millimeter film. And then for editing purposes, it was transferred to LaserDisc. And then that's what they would actually use as as editing masters in the edit bay. So those laser discs with all the dailies, I'm sure they're tucked away somewhere in the vaults at Universal, uh, waiting for somebody to actually bring them forward. Uh, you know, and eh, who knows? Stranger things have happened. Gosh, that'd be that'd be great to see. Honestly, like all of it, would I just find that so fascinating. Alternate takes and outtakes and deleted things and, ah, that'd be great. The fact they're on Laserdisc is nice, too, because, like, tapes disintegrate so quickly, but, I mean, that could last for a lot longer. Well, and again, I'm sure the original 35mm elements are also somewhere in the vaults at, uh, at Universal. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it's the kind of thing that um, at the second Quantum Leap convention, there was actually a whole edit bay that was set up to show fans how the show was edited uh, and then produced. Cool. And the staff was more than willing to sit down and explain how they did it. And, of course, you know, technology has changed. Now there's all the nonlinear editing that takes place uh, done with a computer. But at the, at the time, that was something that was – it was a big step forward. Well, that's an amazing sort of, again, so many insights that you have from behind the scenes. And um, do you have anything that we haven't asked that you want to touch upon um, regarding the footage or the fandom or just the that, that environment back then that gave rise to um, this wonderful sharing that we're all benefiting from now? I think that, again, it, it was the... The whole thing about the show, I mean, Brandon Tartikoff was the the head of programming at NBC at the time when Quantum Leap was greenlit. And I remember that one of the things that, that he talked about, because Don was pitching the show, and it, I, I believe he said to Don, how would you pitch this show to my grandmother? And when you think about it, that saga cell that is at the beginning of every episode is, is really the pitch. It's the whole idea of, you know, what Quantum Leap is all about. And even if you had never seen an episode, you could sit down and you could watch that opening and you could understand what Quantum Leap was all about. And so from a fan perspective, if you if you were new to it, even today, if you've never seen an episode, if you watch just one episode, doesn't matter which one, you understand what it's all about right off the bat you know you get it and you're able to to walk right in and sit down and without too much introduction you can understand what sam is doing 
Well, that's very well said, Roger. And I think that's um, a large part of the reason why the fandom endures and why we're finding new fans and why we're all here talking now. Um, in addition to monumental discoveries like the one that you foisted upon us. Thank you so much. So we've been going for about an hour now. So um, I just want to uh, throw to a quick break. Uh, we'll come back on the other side. Roger will still be with us. And um, Hayden has something in store for us, don't you, Hayden? Oh, yeah. Well, Roger's helped us put right what once went wrong among other people as well. Um, And so I think we're in Quantum Deep. (laughs) All right. So we'll see you on the other side for Quantum Leap, for Quantum Deep. (laughs) Oh, messed it up. You got to keep it like that now. (laughs) At least we got some stuff for the blooper reel. The QLP is brought to you by listeners like you. Please go to patreon.com slash quantum leap podcast and give as much as you can. For as little as a dollar a month, you can be a contributor to the Quantum Leap podcast. It goes to covering our server cost and helps keep the podcast going. Thank you. Hey, everybody. I'm Gabe. I'm Carlo. And we are the co-hosts of a month of Mondays podcast. We are the monthly wrestling podcast. Carlo, how do you feel about our podcast? I feel like what this is, Gabe is a wrestling magazine for our fans out there to take a listen at a kind of lighter hard side of pro wrestling with some funny stories some insights and just to have some fun with you man and you know what that's what i like i like podcasts where they can just get a little free range we all have listened to a podcast it's week to week that tells you the exact up-to-date news of wrestling but this gives us a chance to talk about a little bit of the deeper dives of pro wrestling you can find us on facebook at facebook.com slash mom wrestling pod on twitter at mondays podcast or at baronsface.com slash mom wrestling pod you can find this podcast anywhere fine podcasts are given away for free because you don't sell podcasts if you will this is Donald P. Belisario, and you are listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. All right, Hayden. I know you've been waiting patiently. I know. It takes a lot of work for me to be patient. I'll just let you know. <laughs> Your restraint has been admirable, but now have at it. Have at it, my friend. Hi, everyone. We're back, and uh, I'm going to let Hayden take the reins because I think it's time for... What is it time for, Hayden? Quantum Deep. I'm actually glad that I'm doing this while talking to you and Alison and Roger because uh, something that I found when I was doing these segments quite regularly was that uh, it kind of felt like I was talking at people instead of talking to people and it's a bit hard gauging reactions or getting an idea of whether or not what I'm saying seems right or makes sense. Um, So I am glad that I've got a chance to have an actual conversation uh, for one of these. Um, But My question to, I suppose, the entire panel is, uh, having seen this new alternate ending, which I know that many of us are starting to consider to be the ending, which is the one that it goes to in our minds, um, thematically, what do you think is the story that Quantum Leap in its entirety is trying to tell? It's a good question. Very good question. I don't. I don't know that it's trying to tell one particular story, but uh, if so, maybe maybe a prompt would help. Like a, along what lines? Uh, 
are you thinking? Are you just thinking overall? Are you thinking Sam's arc? Are you thinking Al's arc? Like, what do you... Well, th- th- I wanted to gauge your kind of thoughts about, is there, do you think there is an overarching story to, uh, from start to finish for Quantum Leap? What do you think it is? Um, and do you think the alternate ending has, uh, is in some way telling that story a little bit better? I don't know if it's basically telling the story a little better, but I, I do think that there is a is an arc. It's interesting to compare the early episodes of Quantum Leap, especially Genesis, with the first episode of another time travel show, The Time Tunnel, because there are very similar points that take place. Uh, the whole reason that the time tunnel takes off and we find Tony Newman headed off to the Titanic is because there's a senator who's arrived from Washington, D.C. And what is he there to talk about? He's there to talk about funding for Project TikTok and how billions of dollars have been spent, and yet they have nothing to show for it. So the bright young project scientist, Tony Newman, rushes into the time tunnel to prove that he can actually go back in time. And again, what happens with Quantum Leap? You know, why is Sam into the accelerator chamber? Because, as the saga cell tells us, pressured, you know, to prove prove his his theories theories or lose lose funding. funding. Yeah. That's that's what he's gone for, you know. And, And as Al tells us, you know, they're all back at the project popping champagne corks because he was successful. He actually went off and did what he wanted to do. You know, I I think, again, you you look at the whole, again, talking about the saga cell, you know, the the putting right what once went wrong. Um, You know, I think that there were some some things in Sam's life, uh, you know, the the things that had affected his family, his father dying, uh, you know, his sister being in the abusive relationship, his brother dying in Vietnam. I think those were things that that he wanted to see differently. And the fact that he ended up leaping into other people's lives and setting things right uh, to improve their lives or their situations, it may be a, a, how shall I say, it may be an after effect uh, of, of why Sam Beckett is out there. But it's something that I think of if you look at it in all our lives. There are moments where, you know, would you have done something different? You know, um, I mean, for example, uh, meeting my wife, I decided to ride a train into San Francisco. If I had gotten on a different train, I never would have met my wife, you know, and it's, it's the whole thing about, well, maybe you turn right instead of turning left. You know, it's that, it's that multiverse theory of reality. There are all kinds of different paths that you can take through reality. And I, I think that Quantum Leap, in its own way, it, it ties into that for all of us. And the fact that, you know, there were all these situations that we could relate to. You know, I mean, uh, the first time that Sam leaps into a woman, uh, Samantha Stormer, you know, it, it's great because all of a sudden, you know, there are people who have been in that situation. It's like, hey, there's somebody like me who I can relate to how this is going. And, and I think that when you when you get to a, a deep perspective of Quantum Leap, yeah, it, it's definitely there. It's the whole reason of why is Sam out there? 
when you get to mirror image, you definitely figure out, you know, why is he there? And when Al, the bartender tells him, you know, this is, you're the one who's doing it. You know, it's something that, you know, I mean, when you look throughout the series, they, they talk about God, fate, time, or whatever is leaping Sam from place to place. It definitely makes sense. And the ending of mirror image with Sam going back and doing the right thing for Al uh, to tell Beth that he's still alive and that he's coming home. It definitely brings a conclusion. Well, um, it's interesting that you say all of that because that's essentially one side of the coin. But Mm -hmm. the side of the coin that I'm looking at, uh, I actually don't believe that Quantum Leap is Sam's story at all. Yes, it's all uh, everything that you said is true and it it has this overarching idea of you always try and do the best thing that you can at any point in time and you know there's always different um, paths that you could take Um, but my take on it now having seen this alternate footage is that quantum leap is actually the story of al or more specifically al's therapy It might surprise you and you might disagree, Um, but in my opinion, it seems like the one who's learning the most and growing the most from all of Sam's adventures actually isn't Sam, it's Al. And um, this is essentially what I want to talk about, how the fact that this brand new alternate ending which has come kind of bookends Al's journey from being a a quite emotionally scarred person... um, to someone who's able to function a lot better in a relationship and in his life. So um, I do have a bit of evidence to go over, um, but I, I would like to, to ask if any of you have any comments about uh, what I've just said. I think that uh, you can look at it that way, but I don't think that negates the fact that the show is about Sam, because if you're going to look at the series in in total in the whole um you start with sort of the fish out of water stumbling around trying to figure it out in the first season and then you get a progressively more competent sam to the point where i think we've discussed it on more recent shows especially i've been noticing in season four that sam seems to have settled into his role and he's a lot more comfortable and um a lot a lot more calculating in in what he needs to do and how he can do it and what else he can do and you see this evolution of the way he approaches the leaps and um if you sort of get away from some of the nonsense of the fifth season the fifth season is where they started to break some of the rules that up until that point had been sacrosanct so uh leaping into a famous person um, or a famous person adjacent um breaking the timeline going to the civil war um culminating in this strange place where none of the rules of leaping apply. And if you're going to look at it that way, I think that um, you have now God, fate, time, or whatever, as embodied by Al the bartender, telling him, you're ready. You're ready for the next phase of this. This was just the beginning. But um, I see that you can do more. And of course, it's your choice. You'll do this only as long as you want to. And that's when Sam says, are you saying that the leaps are going to get harder? Um, 
it's it, it's him coming to the acceptance that okay maybe i have been doing this myself but if i'm going to keep doing this now none of these old rules apply which is why he can you, you recall so many things that they tried to do for um for both their families for for al and mia whenever sam tried to divert dirk or derek or whatever that guy's name was from from meeting up with beth something else intervened where he would meet her. It's like it was fated to be that way. Whenever he tried to help his family in the leap home, he did nothing to change their future. Al said, you're not changing their future. You're just making their present miserable. That was sort of a tenet of the show. It's like some things you can't change. And what Mirror Image does is what it, it, it turns all of that on its head, and you have Sam now leaping as himself, not trying to affect change in somebody else's life, but just directly causing change that will help people. You know, it's interesting that you say that because um, what you're saying is that Mirror Image is the stage where Sam is going to be going off and following essentially his own rules and trying to put future things right. Um, maybe following his own instincts more so. And I actually kind of agree with you there. Uh, what seemed to be holding Sam back up until that point? And I'm going to go out on a limb and say that it's the fact that he has Al kind of tethered to him. That's not a bad thing, but I'm just saying that it's Al's progression and him getting to this particular stage where he can handle a relationship and can handle um, loss and abandonment a little bit better for when Sam does end up going and um, losing contact with the project so that Al actually can, you know, continue to thrive in his life instead of falling into some very, um, some patterns that we have seen uh, and heard about in the series about Al uh, in the past. I have to agree because one of the things that, that the series mentions, and maybe they're not highlighted in the way that they that they might have been, is that we do learn a lot about Al's past. I mean, the fact that after coming back as a POW from Vietnam and after having gone through the loss of his relationship with Beth because of her marriage to Dirk, um, you know, that he had that he had gone on in other things, that he had been an astronaut, uh, that he had met Sam when he at was the punching project, out a Coke was, machine. Yeah. Yes, at the Starbright project. He was punching out a Coke machine. Uh, you know, and so there's all these things. And I, th I think definitely you can look at it and you can say, yes, uh, there is a story arc that is very strong all throughout out episodes. Uh, you know, we see, again, how Al goes through things in his life. I mean, we talk about having to go back to court because, you know, uh, an ex-wife wants more alimony or, you know, it, it, we go through, we, we hear all about a particular wife that we'd never heard about before. Uh, Ruthie is a good example of that. <laughs> uh, you know, there, there are just all kinds of things. I mean, the other day I was watching Dr. Ruth and again, you know, the fact that at the end, there's the whole thing about so so why haven't I leaped? Why haven't you leaped? I have no idea why haven't you leaped. You know, this is very interesting. You know, Ziggy says, because you need to have one more session with Dr. Ruth. Yeah. You know, and it, it just, it, 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 it's very interesting because there are all kinds of moments where we see things that in Al's life from leap to leap, things are different. 
I mean, uh, in a, a leap for Lisa, you know, we, we basically get to this point where, you know, where Lisa dies in the auto crash and there's no scuttlebutt that's taking place. No, no talk about her relationship with bingo, you know, even though she was married, um, you know, it's, yeah, I think a lot of times we see a lot of different things, um, about Al that maybe they're there, they're subtle. Um, maybe we're learning things that as the show goes along, there's more of a focus on Sam, but it's definitely, uh, Al is a story arc. Yeah. It's definitely a part of it. All right. Well, why don't we go a little bit deeper into that idea then? Um, I do have to go off into a little side note, um, because unless we kind of get some of the mechanics right in our heads, a lot of it's not going to make any sense. Um, But I I just want to point out that the timeline in Quantum Leap is weird. Uh, I think in a previous episode of Quantum Deep, I tried to explain the major events in Al's life, and it was so difficult, I nearly punched out my computer in the process. Uh, So um, the best explanation of what seems to happen, uh, I think, comes just from a couple of throwaway moments in the series. Uh, The first one is in Honeymoon Express when uh, the chairman, who I think is Weitzman, uh, is blinked out of the hearing and is replaced by Diane McBride thanks to Sam's intervention in the past, Al clearly notices the change, despite nobody else around him noticing. Uh, Also, in another episode, Sam is asked if he has ever lost somebody in war, and he says, yes, but I got him back. So, What this seems to be suggesting is that when the timeline actually does shift and change, those who are involved in the shift will remember, or at least in part subconsciously remember, both timelines. So I guess it kind of makes sense in terms of the wibbly-wobbly-timey-wimey side of things because Sam has to invent his string theory, he has to create Project Quantum Leap, he has to travel back in time to put right those mistakes. So he can't actually retroactively erase some event or lesson in his past that brought Quantum Leap into existence or anything that led Al to the project either, seeing as Al was instrumental in Project Quantum Leap's creation and also due to the success in many of those leaps. So the point that I'm getting at is that Sam and Al exist in what I think some people loosely call comic book time. They're essentially in their own existence that doesn't move along with the same passage of time, or in the case of Quantum Leap, times as everyone else. They do still learn and they do still grow from their experiences, but they're essentially kind of a little bit separate from everything else that's going on. Now, I know that's a lot to take in, but it does have some really startling implications, and none more so in what I believe the story thematically that Quantum Leap's trying to tell, which is essentially Al's therapy and being able to handle relationships better. But what, why? Can, let me let, let me stop you there. I, I can understand that, and I'll, I'll I'll buy that that that's a part of it. But it doesn't have to be an either or. It's both Sam's story and Al's story. Well, you can make that argument. I just I've just wanted to point out Al's Al's story because it's often skipped over or missed or people just don't realize it even though it is such a strong aspect throughout the entire series you know it's it's interesting because you can compare if you look at al's story and sam's story and if you look at the x-files the x-files has two major characters who have 
different stories. You have the Fox Mulder story. You have the the Scully story. And they intertwine back and forth through the series. They're important in both fashions because they both contribute their own their own part to the telling of the tale. But I think one of the differences in Quantum Leap is that in Quantum Leap, you don't have one reality. You have multiple realities. That's why I like to look at at Quantum Leap as being an exercise in the multiverse. Because if you look at an episode, take any you like, where when Sam leaps in, Al tells him, this is what happened. This is what Ziggy says happened. And this is where you're here to do something to change that. You know, um, whether Sam or Al, in either case, affect the change, which allows the leap out and continuing on to the next leap. Look, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's not partly Sam's story. I'm just saying that throughout the, the entire series, we have this progression of Al, which, um, which we see and which I think is nicely bookended by the new alternate ending. So um, what I was just saying there, the very start of the series in Genesis, the very first person that we see is Al. All right. At the very end of the series, the last person that we see is Al. Okay, so we do have this nice bookend going on here. Um, but I just wanted to uh, point out, you know, some things throughout the series which kind of back up some of the things I was saying. Um, I think Roger was talking about things going on in MIA and how um, it's implied because of the fact that whatever Sam does, some outside force is counteracting it, it seems to imply that Al and Beth actually aren't meant to stay together. So what I think must be happening is that if that's the case, at least at the stage of MIA, if Sam had managed to convince Beth to wait for Al, that the relationship would be doomed to fail anyway due to Al's many other issues. And so it's actually having to get Al past those issues or at least um, working on them so that if it ever did end up being that it was changed and that that relationship was saved, that it actually could survive. Let's not forget that Al has severe abandonment issues. His mother abandoned him and the rest of the family, and then he was left in an orphanage when his dad got sent overseas for work. Uh, When his dad did return and try to get the family together, he suffered a terminal illness and died, uh, and that made Al feel abandoned again and also felt abandoned by God. Uh, His sister died in the institution. Um, Magic, who was his adopted father, was arrested. Uh, The first love of his life, Lisa, died in the car accident. And then finally, after he's gone through all of that and he's feeling like he's with the love of his life and wanting to grow old with her, she goes and marries someone else while he's MIA. So, I mean, he's gotten stuck in this pattern of believing that everyone he loves will leave him. And so what happens is that he abandons the relationship first. I mean, this explains the fact that he was married four more times after Beth. None of those marriages were successful. He won't make a commitment to Tina. Don't forget, too, he's a, he was a prisoner of war, so we can probably chuck in some PTSD and depression as well. Um, he'd been self-medicating through his life with alcohol, which has disastrous effects. 
And of course, it's Sam who helps Al to start getting his life back together once he's on the Starbright project and later Project Quantum Leap. And essentially, Sam's the only person that Al has, or that he seems close to, who hasn't abandoned him. And then what does Sam do? Steps in the Quantum Leap Accelerator and get, gets lost in time. It's actually really interesting that in Genesis, Al is seen, hungover, and has stories of drinking in those few days. I mean, I know this is retroactive because they hadn't established Al's alcoholic past, but it definitely fits our purposes. He's feeling abandoned because they can't get Sam back, and so he falls back into some really um, bad behaviours. And I think it's really the only the fact that Sam relies on him to help him get through his missions and hopefully get home that does help keep Al on the wagon. Also, something else which everyone likes to talk about is this idea of Al knows everything because Sam is continually being leapt into situations where Al has some expertise or else something that's going to affect Al emotionally, like um, his leap into Jimmy, which is reminding him of um, his relationship with Trudy. Um, I actually theorized in a previous Quantum Deep that it's a deliberate act by God or time or fate or whatever to ensure that Sam will succeed. But if that actually was the case, then why doesn't he just leap Sam into situations that Sam can handle himself? Um, if, as it is implied, there's an outside force trying to get Sam to do his life's work and succeed and put things right that once went wrong or will go wrong, then why rely on Al at all? And, I mean, in Al's very first leap too, in the leap back, this is a perfect demonstration of what I'm talking about. For some reason, Al leaps into a situation that he himself has been through. This doesn't really happen with Sam much. Sam doesn't leap into situations that um, he's been through over and over again or, or had to kind of work his way through. But the very first one that Al does, he has to deal with a situation where he, a, a veteran is returning home to find out that the love of his life has moved on. Uh, we also find out through Al's conversation with Suzanne, who for all intents and purposes in his mind is Beth, that as much as he loves Beth, he harbours a great deal of resentment towards her for leaving him for another man. And he needed this conversation to see things from Beth's point of view. So, I mean, we've got a situation where the Leaper and the Observer are reversed, but it's not a complete reverse situation. It's still Al having to learn something. As for more analysis purposes, we get into the Dr. Ruth episode, which Roger, you um, so eloquently talked about. Um, the purpose of this leap is for Dr. Ruth to provide Al counseling to help him get over his abandonment issues. He, he learns that he can love many different people and that, um, you know, he should not close himself off from the possibility of loving again. But essentially, he has to go through this massive internal analysis and work on himself before it gets to the point where he can handle a relationship. And of course, mirror image. I mean, remember why that I asked why would God, time, fate, whatever rely on Al at all when choosing missions? Um, since we now know that Sam subconsciously wants to continue his life's work, what would that actually mean for Al? It means he's got to once again be abandoned. And from what we saw the first time Sam left Al in Genesis, what happens? He relapses. So Sam and 
the outside force know that Al has learnt and grown from his experience during the leaping years, though. So this is actually the time where Al is ready to handle his relationship with Beth and to help it survive and, and to have it survive. So essentially, it seems like Sam is more the medium to help Al sort through all his issues, at least before Sam goes on to continue his life's work. Well, I mean, I think that's that's a cogent way of putting it, and I, um, I there's, there's no disputing um, that that line of reasoning, but I don't think that the new footage it just puts an extra sort of bow on that. I mean, you do recall the first title card is that, um, or the second title card is that uh, Beth never remarried, and she and Al he and Al have four daughters, and they'll celebrate the third. So, obviously, we know that Sam fixed Al's relationship, and it stuck this time. And now, just finding this alternate ending, this 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 lost footage, and and being able to see it, seeing them together, is only one further um, aspect of that truth that we've been presented with at the end of the series. I don't see anything to disagree with here, but at the same time, Sam helped Al, okay, to to be able to accept um, his time with Beth so that he he could be ready to to be with her again. And if you want to say that the series had been leading up to that, yeah, okay, that's fine. That's a good way to look at it. But I don't think that that negates that Sam had an arc and that the series was manifestly about Sam. In a certain fashion, though, I think that um, one of the things that if you look at Sam going back in mirror image and saying to Beth, you know, that Al's alive and that he's coming home, right there, you created a split in the timeline because obviously she's not going to marry Dirk. She's going to wait for Al to come back. And so all the things that Al has experienced since coming back as a POW, the feelings of abandonment, the therapy with Dr. Ruth, all the experiences he will never have. Uh, actually, Roger, remember how I said they exist in comic book time? He actually still has that he actually has still experienced all that. It's just the timeline around him has shifted. So But in in the in the the whole concept of the multiverse the idea of that, yes, in one reality, he does experience it all. But in what, what you know, what uh, Star Trek has referred to it as the prime universe. I think if you look at Quantum Leap and the, and the prime universe for Quantum Leap, basically all of those things, all of those experiences that Al has, whether it's being an astronaut, whether it's working on, on the Starbright Project, those things may never have actually happened in that same fashion, in that reality. But it doesn't need to have happened in that reality, though. What needs to have happened is for Al, who's existing somewhat outside of the shifts in timelines, to have experienced them. So the way I kind of reconcile it in my head is that um, you can block memories out and you can let memories in. As the timeline shifts, all right, in order for the brain to be able to handle the shift in the timeline, it kind of mentally blocks out the stuff that's happened in the previous one, but that doesn't mean that it hasn't happened and that doesn't mean that subconsciously that he hasn't learnt from them and, and know the lessons of them, essentially. I'm of the school of thought that he remembers both. Yeah, well, he either remembers both or he remembers enough of both 
in order to be able to know and have learnt from the stuff that's gone on. I mean, uh, it, it seems kind of obvious that as a scientist, they would need to keep somewhat of a record of everything that's gone on in Project Quantum Leap. So it, it kind of seems like it's all there and Al has to remember it in order to record it. You know, I, I would actually think that it wouldn't be Al, that there would be um, a Ziggy that basically is um, is keeping track of everything that's happened because uh, Ziggy is Ziggy is referred to as the the font of all knowledge about when they ask you know well what happened originally and so Ziggy is going to know what happened and then what would have changed thanks to Al and Sam you know if you want to go Al centric you could talk about Killing Time great example the one time that we actually have al having to have an active role in what's going on which doesn't take place in a leap but takes place in that prime reality you know that he has to go out to to bring leon styles back to the project so that sam can leap out i think that you you can make the case for either one are we getting a little far afield you bet is it good television oh yeah it's great television and uh, I think we can all be glad, too, that, you know, 30 years on, there's still things that we can discover. There's still things that we can realize on multiple, uh, you know, realize something new after multiple viewings and um, still have something to talk about and geek over. So I think that's where, uh, well, where I want to leave it. But you might not agree that it's essentially the Al-centric show, but you, I think we can all agree that there is this arc starting from the very beginning and ending right up to either the either the title card at the end, which says that Al, that Al and Beth stay together, or the footage of Al and Beth together and Beth encouraging him. Uh, I think we can all agree that that is a story that thematically they were trying to tell, probably among others. So I have one last question for Allison. Hmm. Are you still here? <laughs> yeah. In your series of photos that you have, are there photos, the photos that appear in in the footage, that the the lost footage, the the pictures of Al and the daughters? Yes, it's on the mantle in front of them in some of the pictures. Um, I think I I mean that yeah I mean it's shot like um. They're in front like they were in the footage. But but those individual pictures didn't end up in the uh, in the photography. In other words, there aren't the negatives of the scene where they're all wearing the, the daughters are all wearing the red sweaters. No, no. Uh, usually when you get uh, photo strips of negatives, um, it's just like 30 of them just snapped in a row, which is why so many of them are just like a second's difference, um, because they're just snapping a bunch of them in succession. So right. um, it, it was only... It's the auto winder. Yeah. So it was only from that that one take that they were doing, I guess, or maybe a rehearsal of it. Um, so no, that would have been on a different day that they had uh, set them all up like the um, the whole family together. Okay. And while we've got you here, Alison, I was just wondering if you had anything that you wanted to pipe in about the discussion about Al's um, journey through the series. Uh, I'm probably, uh, I feel like when it gets this deep, um, I sound sort of like a smartass sometimes, so <laughs> I'll try, try and uh, put it eloquently, I guess. But um, I think overall, the story is both of them. They both have an arc, but uh, Al's is just broader because Al is the person that has the most change to make. But both of them do. 
I mean, I think like Sam grew a lot as a person, but you you know less about Sam because Sam is so Swiss cheesed and Al can't tell him much about himself or his life. So you you do learn more about Al, but um, I think it's both of their journeys and Sam helping Al putting right basically what he uh, wasn't able to put right before with the marriage was really just Sam saying, like, I, I have to do this thing that wasn't fair, what happened there. It was really just putting a, a bow on everything that he fixed his life. Um, and I think that there were a lot of things that they weren't able to to fix because I, I think that there were just some points in time that just weren't meant to be changed. Sure. But especially when you watch MIA just before uh, The Leap Home, it really is just so unfair because it it doesn't seem like he's there to save Tom, but he does anyway. So why didn't Al get the same thing? And so it was basically Sam thanking him and correcting it. Yeah. And I guess that there is the argument to be made too that, uh, I mean, you're all making the point that it it is Al's story, but it's also Sam's story too. And I guess that leads into part of, you know, Sam realizing that the rules, they were well-intentioned to start with, but ultimately he has to follow his own instincts and um, do what he thinks is right at the time. There's another thing, which I think you have to remember is that, uh, that Al says to Sam at one point, success or failure has nothing to do with the outcome. Yeah. Um, if you look at episodes like um, how the test was won, uh, it's very obvious that they wanted a different outcome and they didn't get it. But that wasn't what they were there for, you know. And and in the end, you know, obviously we got Piggy Suey, you know, and, and and that's really what they were there for to begin with. So it kind of seems implied that. Um, Sam will only leap when he's satisfied that he's done enough to have put right the things that have gone wrong. Well, maybe what was going on with the ending there is that certain things are not meant to be changed. That's what happened with MIA. But at the end, Sam's like, you know what? Forget it. I'm not playing by the rules anymore. Let's change it. And that's what the change was, you know? So that was the time to just do what was right. Yep. All right. I think we can all agree with that. So it's the story of Sam, but it's also the story of Al and the progression of both of them and essentially how we all have to trust our instincts and try and do what we think is right at the time. Right. And I think there are, there are specific episodes of the series that are key elements in the story arc of both of them. You know, whether it be MIA, whether it be Leap Home, whether it be Vietnam, there are certain episodes that are more key to the telling of that story than others. All right. I think that pretty much covers everything. So how do we want to end it? Well, well we've had uh, quite a discussion here. And um, one thing I want to do is invite our listeners to uh, chime in. Tell us what you think about Hayden's ideas in Quantum Deep, but also about the find of this miraculous footage. Where were you when you first saw the new ending of Quantum Leap? Um, there are many ways that you can reach out to us. You can call us on the phone at 707-847-6682. You can email us at quantumleappodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash quantumleappodcast. You can get us on Twitter and Instagram at Quantum Leap Pod, and you can always support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast and leave us messages there. So just remember, we may use your responses in an upcoming episode of the Quantum Leap Podcast. And really, I'd like to hear from um, 
some of the broader fan community about their reaction to this footage. Do you think it put a bow? Do you think Hayden has a good point? Do you think it, it made this series more Al-centric? Um, were you happier with Mirror Image the way it was? Uh, I know that maybe not a popular thing to say, but I think I might be in that minority. Anyway, um, <laughs> we want to know what you guys think. So uh, please reach out, let us know. And also, you know what? Just just, just give Roger some props. Roger, let me hear, 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 clapping. <laughs> thank you so much for this 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 milestone that you've brought us. And thank you so much for coming on Mike, being such a good sport and uh, really bringing all of this to life and all of these facts to light. We really, uh, it, it's, it's an amazing story and uh, we're so happy that you shared it with us. I was glad to be able to share it with all of you. Awesome. And I have to say, Roger, you're an absolute natural at this because I've been loving this discussion we've been having. Well, it goes back to my interest in the show and uh, all the fun we used to have in the imaging chamber every Saturday night. All right, everyone. So on, on that note, I think that's a nice note to close on. So thank you all for listening. I've been Christopher DeFilippis. I've been Allison Pregler. I've been the hologram of Hayden McQueek, 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 McQueenie. Sorry, bad connection. <laughs> and I've been Roger, a voice from the past, from the days of the Quantum Leap fandom on America Online. And we will see you all next time, everyone. Take care. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Quantum Leap podcast, hosted by Allison, Matt, and Chris, with voice talent and contributions from Hayden McQueenie and Zoe Dean. Visit us at quantumleappodcast.com. To support the show, please go to patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast. The Quantum Leap podcast is edited by Albie, Christopher DeFilippis, and Allison Pregler. The executive producer of the Quantum Leap podcast is Albert Burge. Juan Miro, Christopher DeFilippis, and Hayden McQueenie are the co-executive producers. Morgan Felden is the producer. The thoughts expressed on this podcast are those of the individual, and do not necessarily represent those of the Quantum Leap podcast, its partners, or affiliates. The Quantum Leap universe and all it contains is the property of Belisarius Productions and Universal Television. The Quantum Leap podcast is not affiliated with Belisarius Productions or Universal Television, and no copyright infringement is intended. Please visit barrenspace.com for this and other amazing content. The Quantum Leap Podcast is a Baron Space production. That actually was something that had been talked about at one point. A cat? Yes. Yes. They were they were pitching ideas for episodes, and Sam leaping into a cat was one that had been talked about. <laughs> I love that idea. <laughs> I can't imagine that. <laughs> I think there was one we were talking about dogs and he was like, I could be a poodle in a little suit.